Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Fundamental principles of freedom, rational self-interest, and individual rights. This is the Yaron Brook Show. All right, everybody, welcome to the Yaron Brook Show. Uh, hope you're having a uh, great weekend so far. It's another beautiful Sunday in uh, Puerto Rico in Puerto Rico, those of you who haven't noticed yet. Um, all right, we have a, uh, it appears we have a president-elect. I, I know, I know, technically he's not until the states certify the vote, and then, uh, you know, there's the, uh, the the delegates meet, when is it, December 20th, and they actually vote. But, you know, let's stop the kidding and the delusion and the, you know, detach from for reality. Um, Trump has not won this. Uh, Trump will not win this, uh, whether we like it or not, and I don't like it, uh, Biden is president. Biden is president. Uh, so uh, let's adjust to the new environment I, uh, and, uh, and uh, you know, deal with it. But uh, evasion, uh, uh, detachment from reality, wishing above the facts, uh, wishing won't make it so. Wishing won't make it so. We will see how, uh, if, if Donald Trump is capable of dealing with this as an adult. Uh, but, you know, yes, you know, people will claim the level of fraud was high. Really? I, you know, we'll, we'll see where the evidence is that we have a legal system. We have a legal system, by the way, more appointees by Donald Trump into that legal system than ever. So they're more conservatives. In, uh, on the, in the courts right now than ever before. So we'll see. You know, the legal system will work. We'll let it work. And we'll see how much fraud really happened. Uh, you know, I've said from the beginning, you know, I'm sure there's some fraud going on. Uh, I don't think there's more fraud than there was in previous elections. If the Democrats committed fraud, they didn't do a very good job at it because they, they seem to have lost Senate seats that they thought, everybody thought they had a lock on. Uh, if they committed fraud, then, you know, why is it so close? Uh, but, you know, let the legal system work, but I am here to guarantee, uh, you know, I called this election, I called it right, and I'm now going to call the post-election. Uh, Joe Biden will be sworn in as president uh, on, in, uh, in January. He is the next president, whether you like it or not, whether I like it or not. Right. 
So uh, that's what we have. And, um, and the, you know, and, and we will see what kind of evidence you guys can, uh, can present. We'll see, um, no, the evidence, the evidence is nonsense. Every time I see a video that goes up, uh, that goes up, that suggests fraud, and there's plenty of them all over the place, uh, you know, within an hour, there's some calm, rational article that says, no, you know, you crop the video. No, this is an old video. No, this is, you know, there's no fraud going on here. So, again, evidence, evidence, evidence. Uh, Joe Biden is going to be president, and uh, I know I know you guys and Donald Trump are going to claim for the next four years, eight years, the next 50 years, that this election was stolen from Donald Trump. Your loss, that's what losers do. They bitch and complain, and they whine, and they can't handle the loss. I remember kids in the playground when I used to play, you know, dealt with losing in exactly the same way. Uh, they would go cry to mommy. And, uh, you know, I think the Supreme Court will, you know, I don't think it'll even get to the Supreme Court because I don't think there's a there there. But uh, judges all across this country uh, in various jurisdictions, mostly Trump appointees, are going to knock this down. And are going to, I don't think you'll ever be convinced, but they're going to knock it down. And, uh, you know, this result will hold. This result will hold. So, given that this is the result, and given that Joe Biden is president, I think it's time we started on the path to slowly developing, slowly, you know, uh, fostering a Biden derangement syndrome. Because, hell, I hate this guy. I mean, there's nothing about Joe Biden I actually like. He's, I mean, the thing I like the most about him, I guess, I think the thing I like the most about him is that he's boring and that he might not be completely there, although, you know, he, 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 you know, who, who knows? So he might not be completely there. I think that's what I like the most about him because therefore very little will get done. Uh, and um, another thing I like the most about him is that, he was so uninspiring. He was so uninspiring that uh, he couldn't get he couldn't get the voters to vote for Democrats as senators or House members, so that the Republicans actually gained in the House a, a something that nobody thought was going to be possible, and they held the Senate, which they were only given about twenty five possibilities. Now, granted, they haven't held the Senate yet. Uh, there's going to be a runoff in uh, Georgia on January 5th for two Senate seats. Probably the likelihood is they'll only have to uh, win one to have a 51 majority in the Senate, which is all they really need. Um, so, you know, it's the, the, the Joe Biden and the Democrats and the whole campaign was unbelievably incompetent on the Democratic side in not being able to pick up the Senate seats that seemed to be there for the taking. And uh, now we have the possibility of divided government. And I have always said for years now, almost for decades, that the best combination for economic liberty that we have, the best combination that we've had, 
is a Democratic president and a Republican Congress. This was true under Bill Clinton uh, uh, from 94 on. So he had, he had a Democratic Senate and House from 92 to 94. And then 94 to 2000, we had a Republican House and a Democratic Senate. It was true for Obama. I mean, if you look at spending as a percent of GDP, it went down because Republicans cut a deal with him. They said, you want to get certain things of your agenda passed, okay, but only if we have caps on spending. Caps on spending, which they immediately did away with when Trump was elected. So I think there'll be a deal. I expect some taxes will go up. I don't, I don't think it'll be a big tax increase because I don't think Republicans will let it happen. But taxes will go up. But as an as a exchange for that, I think the Republicans will require a cap on spending. And that'll be, that'll be a good thing, not a bad thing. Anyway, we'll, we'll get to policy, specific policy things. Let's talk about uh, Biden more generally and Kamala, Kamala Harris. Um, Biden gave a talk, a speech last night, a, a victory speech, I guess. And, uh, I mean, the main theme of the speech was healing and we want to get the country together and we want unity and we want, we want everybody to, to, to get along again, um, which is uh, <laughs> uh, you know, which is a, um, yeah, you know, noble cause. Unity and and uh, and uh, you know a, a, a country divided is not a good thing, and uh, a country that, that uh, divided into tribes that hate each other's guts is not a good thing. National unity is a good thing, but national unity based on what and for what purpose? I will make this prediction: Joe Biden will not bring the country together; he will divide it further. He will create, through his policies, more division, more tribalism, more hatred, more angst. National unity requires what? What does it mean? What does it mean? National unity requires peaceful coexistence. National unity requires individuals to feel, to be free. Free of their neighbors' interference. Free from constant government control and government oppression. Free from the pressure group of the moment. I think we are continuing on a path that we started many decades ago. We are on a path of a democracy, not not a constitutional republic anymore, but democracy, driven by... Pressure group upon pressure group upon pressure group ripping the country to shreds. And the Democratic Party, which has embraced, at least its, its left wing has embraced, identity politics. And indeed, Biden is, is at least sanctioning the whole idea of identity politics. But a left wing that has embraced identity politics Tribalism, in other words, based on color of skin. Tribalism, in other words, based on your ethnic origins. is not a political party 
that can bring people together, but can only divide, can only splinter, can only cause people to look warily and suspiciously, suspiciously about their neighbor. What is the neighbor after? Who is he supporting? Which group does he belong to? What ethnic group is he really a member of? Will I be sacrificed to him? Will he be sacrificed to me? Will we both be sacrificed to the neighbor across the street? Because the demands now for sacrifice all over the place. Sacrifice to industries, to the environment, certain supposed racial groups to other racial groups. The sacrifice of the wealthy and the successful for the sake of unity to those who are not as wealthy and not as successful. Sacrifice built on sacrifice, built on sacrifice. The sacrifice of the healthy to the sick, of those who have insurance to those who don't. The sacrifice of doctors and nurses. What the Trump, what the, I'm going to have to get used to this. This is going to take me a while replacing Trump and Biden because, you know, it's, it's the, it's the, um, it's the derangement syndrome, you know, has to adjust. Um, The Biden administration is an administration of division. It's an administration of pressure groups. Now, it'll be less vulgar. It'll be less obnoxious. It'll be less uh, appeasing to certain groups, but it'll be appeasing to other groups. And we can already expect that it is going to cause division and strife and anger And it's already causing that within the Democratic Party. I mean, this election has not been celebrated within the Democratic Party. There was a phone call. There was, I I guess, uh, people writing about this in the press, about a phone call that the Democratic Party... Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate megastores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders, from ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities. CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. And the House had, uh, you know, a few days ago after the election results came in. And the more moderates within the party were yelling and screaming that the reason they had lost members in the House and the reason that they did not gain the Senate is because of the far left. It's because of, I mean, they, they literally, they, they were saying, 
you know, it's because Medicare for all. As long as you advocate for Medicare for all, we will lose. As long as you advocate for, you know, uh, reparations, we will lose. But that's what they believe, so they can't help themselves. That's what the far left is. And, and they're not going anywhere. And they're going to have to be appeased to get the votes unless Biden can pull off some kind of miracle and truly govern from the center without the votes of people, of his party members on the far left. I mean, that would be quite, quite an achievement. But an achievement I don't think he is capable of, in spite of the fact that he comes from, you know, he's had decades in uh, the legislative branch, his best friends of Republican senators. Yeah, I think he will get stuff done with Republicans. But he will also work very hard not to alienate those on his left. And to the extent that he does that, he will not be able to do much. So no, America is not going to be healed by a Biden presidency. Unity will not come to us by a Biden presidency. Unity requires peace. Requires the ability to live your life based on your values, free a people's constant intervention in every aspect of your life, in every aspect of your business. It's too late for that. It is too late for that. We live now in a world of intervention. We live in a world... Of, in a mixed economy, in a world of pressure groups. Dismantling that, that is what it will take to dismantle the tribalism, to dismantle the, um, the tribalism and to dismantle the disunity, the hatred, the suspicion, the anger, the frustration that Americans feel today. And they do, and, and they're justified. I mean, the Trump voters, the Trump voters, the voters who voted for him in 2016 and the voters who voted for him in 2020, and many of the Biden voters who voted for him in 2020, who are frustrated, who are alienated, who, are, who feel like they've been left behind, who feel like they are not understood, who feel like they've done what they were supposed to do, they've worked hard in their life and they're not succeeding. They're right and just to feel frustrated. They're right and just to feel anger. They're right and just to feel unheard. And they're right and just, in a sense, not to know where to focus their anger on. Because they have been betrayed. The working class, the middle class, all of us have been betrayed. We've been betrayed by our intellectuals. We've been betrayed by those who would turn America into Europe, we've been betrayed by those who would take away our freedoms steadily, consistently, constantly. Take away those freedoms. And hand over power to this pressure group or that pressure group to run our lives. They've been betrayed by people who told them they, you know, that they could stagnate and everything would be okay. People who misrepresented the American system, 
as guaranteeing jobs for life when it doesn't, and it can't, and it won't, and it never will. And if it does, those jobs will be jobs that guarantee poverty for life. They'd be betrayed by people who told them they don't have to compete. That their jobs are secure without competition because America is a great nation and their jobs will always be around. No. They've been betrayed by the people who told them they don't have to move. They don't have to go anywhere. That Uncle Sam will always take care of them. And indeed, that it's the job of the government to take care of them. That they have the right to stagnate. They have the right to be parasites. They have the right to live off of others. That they don't have to work, compete, adjust, learn new skills, constantly change and grow and better themselves. They're being betrayed by the people who've told them that they can just be as they are and drift in life. People who expect nothing from them. And yes, those people are the intellectuals. Yes, those people are the elites. The elites who have told people, don't worry, be happy, everything's fine. <laughs> I like that. Wanda Freeman says, Peter Schiff said Trump became a lifeguard at the swamp. But I think that's too generous. I mean, Trump was never about draining the swamp. Trump was always about replacing their swamp animals with his swamp animals. Trump was always a creature of the swamp. He just wanted control over the swamp instead of giving the other guys control over the swamp. Trump is the epitome of pressure group politics. It's just which groups get to be the pressure. Get to put the pressure on you. But both left and right all embrace pressure group politics. Embrace the mixed economy. Reject capitalism and freedom. So, don't expect much from Biden administration. I mean, I, I am hopeful only in the sense that I expect gridlock. I am hopeful because Republicans held the Senate and Republicans have in the past and hopefully will be in the future a decent opposition party. I'm hopeful because I think the deals that will be cut won't be crazy nutty deals. They'll be reasonable deals. I'm hopeful because it's like that in 2022, Republicans might take the House and maybe increase their position in the Senate and therefore force Biden into compromising even more. And, and I'm hopeful because I don't think Biden can survive another election. And therefore, Republicans will have a chance if they nominate somebody decent to, to win. Although I'm not sure I'm hoping for that because... I always think, oh, I wish there was a Republican party a candidate that I could support. But then again, I revert to the idea that the best 
the best for freedoms is typically being divided government. So why not stick to that principle? Let's hope that Biden lives to be 95 and, uh, and, and keeps going with the Republicans dominating the House and Senate. I don't know. We'll, we will see. We will see how this all goes. Uh, in his speech yesterday that was all about unity and everything, you know, he talks about the battles of our time. Marshal the forces of science and forces of hope. I don't know that there is such a thing as forces of hope. In the great battles of our time, the battle to control the virus, all right, that needs to happen. The battle to build prosperity, good, yeah, I'm for prosperity. Don't think he knows what that means, but to build prosperity. The battle to secure your family's health care, I have a feeling he's going to do everything he can to undermine my ability to secure my family's health care. The battle to achieve racial justice and root out systemic racism. I'm all for rooting out real, real, not imagined, systemic racism. And I'm all for, well, justice. But we know that's not what that means. And we know what those code words mean. And we know that that is a recipe for disaster, the extent to which you'll focus on those issues. Now, again, this might be just throwing out red meat for his support, for his left, but it ain't good. And he ends with the battle to save our planet by getting climate under control. That'll be the day. That'll be the day when we can get climate under control. I mean, if we can get climate under control, that would be cool. I mean, I would dial in 360 days of sunshine. (laughs) I mean, what he meant was, uh, you know, a battle to save our planet from those evil industrialists who are polluting and destroying it by evil human beings using CO2 to warm it up. And he will do some stuff there. Uh, He's already talking about executive orders, and and that he can do without Congress, right? Uh, I I mean, I I talked about this constantly during Trump's presidency, the fact that he was using executive orders to do anything decent that he was doing, and the fact that executive orders are easily reversed. The fact that everything was being done at the regulatory agency level, and anything done at the regulatory agency level can be easily reversed, And Biden will reverse much of what uh, Trump has done that are the better things he's done. Uh, Remember, Trump had a Republican House, Republican Senate. He could have, you know, put together a massive deregulation bill, which is what I would have done if I were president, first priority. And probably could have got, got some of it passed, but he didn't do that. So he was stuck with doing it by executive order and by through the regulatory agency. He could have repealed Obamacare and replaced it with some free market health care, but he never lobbied the senators. He never went to the Capitol Hill. He never really did it. So we're stuck with Obamacare. Now, a public option is going to be, you can't do a public option with executive orders. The Supreme Court, though, you know, in a few weeks might repeal Obamacare. Obamacare might disappear. Then it'll be interesting how the Republicans in the Senate and the Biden administration cope with that and handle that and come up with an alternative for that. 
<laughs> that'll, be, that'll be fun to watch. I mean, scary, but fun to watch. He can do stuff about climate change. He can reverse a lot of Trump's decisions about the Paris Accord and about certain regulatory issues and about uh, you know, increasing regulations on coal, although the coal industry is dying anyway. Trump didn't deregulate at all. I mean, yes, he got the regulatory agencies to deregulate some, but no regula- deregulatory bills went through Congress. I mean, the person who deregulated the most in modern American history is Jimmy Carter. If you go back and you look at deregulation, real deregulation, whole industries changed because government got out. That has to happen through legislation. Trump did no deregulatory legislation. Jimmy Carter did. We got deregulation of airlines. We got deregulation of trucking. I think under Ford, we got deregulation of, bro- of, 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 uh, of uh, brokerage houses. Uh, Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. We got massive deregulation, including under, under um, Reagan. Not the little stuff at the regulatory agency, but the big stuff. The big stuff was deregulated, and that was not deregulated here, unfortunately. Nothing went through Congress. Nothing passed Congress. You see, if you pass something in Congress... It's very difficult to reverse, as the Democrats know so well. No, it wasn't re-regulation, Anne. If you go back to Jimmy Carter and you see the trucking deregulation, that was deregulation. If you look at airline regulation, that was deregulation. Now, I'm not saying that that meant there was no regulation left, but it was a massive decrease in regulation. I mean... This is history. This is not my opinion. This is not, uh, you know, my bias. This is, I mean, it shocked me because I always thought Jimmy Carter was awful. But Jimmy Carter picked up the mantle from the Ford administration and a Democratic Congress and a Democratic Senate actually passed massive deregulatory bills during the Jimmy Carter administration and they deregulated many businesses that then the economy benefited from under Ronald Reagan. But... That's a reality. It's not an opinion. Just go back and, and look, at the, look at the history of regulation in America. And, and the two I can think of right now is trucking and, and, and airlines, which have impacted our lives massively. But there's much more than that, 
much more than that. I am a progressive. I'm for progress. I'm not a progressive in the sense of politically, but I'm a, I believe in progress. I mean, don't let the left have that title. <laughs> oh, my God. People are weird. So Biden is going to reverse a lot of the deregulation that Trump did. Um, he's going to reverse a lot of the executive orders. Some of that will be good. Some of that will be terrible. Uh, but that is the reality of having Trump do what he did the way he did it. Bill's congressional votes are very hard to reverse. This is why it's so hard to get rid of many, many of the things the Democrats have done. Think about the big regulatory bills that have passed in recent times. You basically had two. One is under Bush, Sarbanes-Oxley, and one under Obama, Dodd-Frank. That was the one thing Obama did while he had a Democratic House and a Democratic Senate. Why didn't the Republicans, when they had the White House, the Senate, and the House, repeal Dodd-Frank? Why didn't they repeal Sarbanes-Oxley? Why didn't they repeal the leftovers of Glass-Steagall. I mean, there's a million regulations that they could have actually, actually repealed through legislation, but they never did. So, but the good news is that the Republican Party probably won't let Biden add new regulations through legislation. The only way he will add regulations is through the regulatory process. And again, the weakness of that is they can all be reversed by future presidents. If it's an executive order, it can be reversed. If it's something the regulatory agency does, it can be reversed. So anything Biden can do will be reversed, hopefully, by a future more pro-freedom president who hopefully will also use Congress to reverse these things. Anyway... We're going to have to be vigilant. We're going to have to fight him in every corner. At every, at every, you know, every decision is going to have to be fought. Most of the decisions he makes are going to be anti-liberty, anti-freedom, and we're going to have to fight them. It's going to be like the Obama years, but mainly the last six years of Obama, where very little happened, very little bad happened rather than the first two years of Obama, which were awful. We got Dodd-Frank, and we got Obamacare. The following six years were okay because Republicans held, I think, the Senate and then the House, or the House and then the Senate, I can't remember. So let's urge the Republicans to be a good opposition party. Let's urge the Republicans to stalemate Biden at every opportunity, at least on the bad things that he wants to do. I can't think of any good things he might want to do. Maybe on immigration. I mean, that would be an achievement if they could, if they could get some kind of comprehensive immigration reform that both some Republicans and some Democrats agree to. That might be a significant improvement. That might be one area where we could move forward, although I doubt Republicans will go for that because their constituencies are so anti-immigration, it's unlikely that they can do it. All right, let's see. We got a bunch of uh, super chat questions. We're going to do 
the ones that put the most money in first. Uh, which one was this? Let me just get that. Yeah, okay, those two. All right, um, we shouldn't have kumbaya in the objectivist movement. Honest, good people should be on the same side. The intellectuals attacking you are rationalizing their own envy. They don't care about winning because objectivism is never real to them like it is to you. I mean, thank you for defending me. I'm not going to get into the psychologizing, and I'm not saying you are, but I'm not going to try to articulate their motivation. I don't want to spend time on people that are attacking me, their problem. Um, you know, we should have kumbaya in the, in the productive, good, uh, you know, uh, among objectivists who get, to, who, who get along. Among objectivists who can work together, among objectivists who, who see shared values, among objectivists who, who have a shared strategy, there should be kumbaya. But among everybody else, uh, people who are not, do not share values, do not share strategy, or who don't like each other, or who, you know, who are judged to be not worthy for a variety of reasons, moral, intellectual, or so on then there shouldn't be kumbaya. So, again, it depends on what you define as the objectivist movement, but but certainly among honest, good people who share a vision, who share a strategy, there should be kumbaya. Right now, there is not a shared strategy, and there's some dishonest people. And and that is why, uh, you know, there's there's no agreement, there's no kumbaya, and that's fine. I I, I don't want to be kumbaya with dishonest people. All right. Um, but thank you. Thank you for, for defending me. All right, let's see. Um, yeah, this one is... Shouldn't objectivists support bail reform? You're presumed innocent until proven guilty. If you're arrested and can't afford bail, you may have to sit in jail weeks or months before your trial when you haven't been proven guilty of anything. I mean, look... I'm not an expert on this. I, 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 uh, I, I'm not sure if that's true. Uh, you know, this is why they have bail bondsmen, right? They have people who put up bail for you. You then owe them the money. You owe them the money back. Um, nonprofits can come in and, and, and provide bail for people. Uh, and, and it's completely legitimate that if you're a risk to people, and I guess even the bail reform movement says that the judge should be able to decide and deny people the bail completely. But sometimes bail is set very, very high so that you can't get out. Um, the idea of just, for certain crimes, of just letting people out when they could escape, they could run away, when they could, if they're, if they're violent, they could continue to engage in violent actions, seems wrong when there is enough evidence to have arrested them. Uh, so I'm not sure. So I'm, I'm sympathetic that, that, you know, we need a transparency system. There's also the issue of if you don't have money, if you're poor, you're at a clear disadvantage. I, let me think about the bail issue and maybe let me think about if there's somebody who, uh, maybe one of our lawyers who, um, maybe a former criminal lawyer, who uh, really understands the issues involved, understands, um, you know, to what extent is this a problem, first of all? How many people really 
uh, can't get their hands on the bail in order to get them out uh, and who should. Uh, and then what the alternatives are so that we don't just let people back on the streets when there is – obviously they've been arrested, so there's significant evidence against them, right? So they're not guilty yet, but there's reason to doubt them, right? And, and, and that's why they've been arrested. Being arrested means something. So I need a – yeah, I need a good criminal attorney um, – either on the prosecutional side or on the defense side, who's an objectivist, who's thought these things through and get some, uh, get some insight from him. I'm not, I'm not sure. Good question. I'm not sure. Okay. Are states legalizing drugs because they need to make up revenue from lockdown? Is this a good thing? It's not any kind of increase in respect for the sovereignty of an individual, just another mechanism to steal from them. Yes. I, I think to the extent that they're doing it in order to just get the revenue, it, it's not a respect for the sovereignty. But the fact is it, it, it leaves us freer. And more importantly for me is that it, it takes a, uh, a, a, a victimless crime off the list of the things the police have to worry about and have to concern themselves about and allow them to focus on real crimes. So the more we can get the police away from having to deal with the so-called drug war, the more we can get the police away from having to chase down pot smokers and pot dealers, the more we can get the police away from the corruption because of the money involved in the legal, illegal drug trade, I think the better off all of us are because the, then the police can focus on the things that matter most, which is property and violent crime and property crime. So I'm, I'm for legalization for whatever reason because of the impact it has on the police. I, you know, I'm, I, you, know it's, it's, you should be able to use drugs, but, but I'm not excited about defending your right to you know, cripple yourself with, uh, with drugs, to numb yourself with drugs. But the idea that the police should be Protecting you from yourself is horrific. So, uh, I mean, the interesting thing about the taxes is that some states have such high taxes for marijuana that they, uh, that they don't actually, they haven't actually uh, eliminated the illegal market for marijuana because illegally it's so much cheaper. They basically created a black market that is not taxed. And, and of course, that creates a whole another level of where there they might be violence, where there might be, you know, a, a whole other layer. So they're not doing what legalizing drugs would do, which is reduce violence and reduce dr- gang activity and eliminate a black market. So I, I'm definitely in support of all drug legalization, not just a part. Uh, no matter if... The reason is they want to increase revenue because of the effect it has on the police and because it has, you know, the effect on, on people, on people themselves. Um, and, um, and yeah, I, I, I mean, and it's horrific and disgusting and to some extent counterproductive that they're taxing at the rates. Say goodbye 
to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. To taxing because they create black markets. But black markets are still better than the whole market being illegal and, and the kind of violence and, and corruption that that entails. All right, do you believe you can feel people's energy? What does that mean in non-mystical terms? I do. <laughs> and what? But it's, and it's not mystical. So what does it mean? Um, it means what you can observe about them. You can observe their activity. You can observe their focus and their concentration. You can observe their focus, their intent, their... You can observe their energy. <laughs> um, so I, I, I give you an example, uh, an example many of you won't like, but it's an example. I, well, I'll, I'll make it so, you, so it's not offensive to anybody. If you go to Hong Kong, at least before you know China clamped down, but my guess is it's still there, and you walk the streets, there's a palpable energy around. It's not that you're observing energy. What you're observing is motion. What you're observing is purposeful motion. People going around their business with a purpose. People working. People engaged in that work. People caring about the work. People excited about life. You can see it in their looks. You can see it in their actions. You can see it in the speed with which they are moving. You can see it in their passion, in their excitement, in their yelling to one another. Without Hostility, not a hostile yell. So, uh, you know, absolutely you can sense that. But if you meet somebody, I mean, you look at Joe Biden. And what, what is one of the first things you sense from him? Is a lack of energy. I mean, he, he, he almost seems half asleep half the time. His eyes are half shut. I mean, he's... He's 77 years old, which is part ex- explains it. But it's, it's, he, he, he walks slowly. But you know young people like this. You get a sense that, you know, they've just smoked dope, if they, uh, even if they haven't. Um, you get a sense that they're not focused, they're energized, they're excited about anything. You get a sense that they just, they, you have employees. Yeah, boss, I'll do that. Yeah, okay, I'll go there. Versus, yeah, what can I do? Where is it? What, what, what's going on? That's energy. And you can feel it. You can sense it about people. And, you know, I project energy. And I think people will meet me. I mean, it depends on the context because I'm, I'm also kind of, I'm, I'm, I'm quite an introvert, really. So when I engage with people socially, usually in, in a kind of a, when I'm not working, I, I can be pretty low energy. But, but, you know, I've got energy. And you can see it. And it's not mystical. You can see it in the way I talk, in, hopefully in the look in my eye. In the way I use my hands, in the way I'm, I'm moving, right? And I think if you look around, the people you know, you can go low energy, high energy, and, and you can identify them. 
by, and, and I think you automatize that as you grow older and, and you just know it, right? Um, but you can conceptualize it. You can slow down and observe and see, okay, that's what I'm seeing. It's the way, the way he's um, focused, the way he's pu- purposeful is the word. Purposeful. People who are purposeful, who clearly have a purpose, project energy. People who are drifting with no focus do not. Is a loser somebody who doesn't succeed or somebody who doesn't try? Well, it's certainly somebody who doesn't try when they should. There's certain things you shouldn't try, but when the trying is worthwhile. But it's also somebody who has a particular attitude about life. I think it's somebody who, who, who never learns from losing. So a loser is somebody who, who um, uh, uh, doesn't, can't introspect about his loss, can't learn from the loss, can't acknowledge the loss and move forward and become better as a consequence. I mean, one of the great things about American culture is that we embrace losing. We embrace failure. You fail, you learn from your failure, you get up on your feet, and you go at it again. I mean, not the same thing. You don't want to repeat the same thing, and, but do something new. Almost all entrepreneurs who have been successful have failed at things on the way. Some small things, some big things. But we recognize that failure is necessary. That action, trying is necessary, and therefore failure is sometimes necessary. But I know people like this, people who've started a business, tried, failed, and given up on life. That's it. They whine and complain, and it's everybody else's fault. They never did anything wrong. They've got nothing to learn from their failure. That's a loser. A loser is somebody who loses and can't handle it, who fails and can't handle it. So if you fail, you're not a loser. But if you fail and can't handle it, if you fail and can't learn from it, if you fail and can't, fail and can't get up on your feet and, and, and try something new and try something different, then you are a loser. Uh, all right, now we've got the uh, lower end Super Chat questions. All right, um, before we go on, uh, don't forget to like the show. We've got over 200 people uh, live. We've had over 200 people live for a long time now. Um, but the likes are only at 75. So please, before you go, like the show. It helps with the algorithm. It really does help support the show on YouTube and, and feeds it to more people. The more likes we get, the more comments we get. It's great to have a live chat. That really, really helps uh, the algorithm on YouTube. They like to see engagement. They, 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 they want to sell engagement. So please, be engaged. You know, like the show. Uh, in addition, of course, if you're not a subscriber yet, uh, please consider subscribing. It would be great to have you on board. Uh, if you do subscribe, also press that little bell, and that will let you know when I go live. But we put out two videos a day usually, and uh, we take these long videos and chop them up and, and put up short videos. We put up lectures that I give, talks that I give, Q&As that I give, and, of course, all these live shows go up. And, and you will have to access to all of that and be notified whenever a new video goes up if you subscribe and press the bell. Um, 
thank you for all of those of you who have just liked the show. I see even somebody regretted their thumbs down, so that's always nice. Uh, of course, you can support the show. You can do it on, on, on the Super Chat. The Super Chat is great. It's a great source of support for the show. It's a great way to be engaged in what's happening. It's a great way to ask a question and get it answered. It's a great way to motivate me because I get excited when I see large dollar figures flash before my eyes on the Super Chat screen. So please consider engaging even more in Super Chat. And uh, thank you for those of you who, who are regulars in the Super Chat uh, particularly those who, who put a lot of money into the Super Chat. It is very much appreciated. Uh, all I can say is let's keep it going. We've had three phenomenal months where, you know, I bought in more money than I ever thought I would in Super Chat. You know, let's not slow down, so, so keep it coming. Uh, I very much appreciate that. Remember, this is value for value. I'm not asking you to support anything you don't value. If you don't like my show, if you don't support this, if you don't get any value out of it, then at first I'm not sure what you're doing here. But secondly, yes, don't financially support me. Um, and then, of course, the best way to support me, the one I value the most, is the subscription. If you go and you subscribe on a monthly basis, that way I can, uh, I, can uh, I know what to expect. Super Chat every month is, is new. Every month we start from zero. Uh, but if you, uh, if you do it through the Super Chat, then um, uh, if you do it through the youronbookshow.com uh, slash support, even if it's just $2 a month, I know those $2 are coming. I value it immensely. Um, and you can do it, of course, up to $500 a month or more uh, on the Super Chat. And there are lots of perks. If you $500 a month, you get a private session with me for half an hour uh, every month. For $250, you get a private session like that once every three months. Um, so all kinds of levels, all kinds of perks. So please consider to do that. Those of you already supporting me that way, please consider increasing uh, we're trying to raise an extra $3,000 in the weeks to come. We're close to 1,000 of the 3,000 done, so we've got another, another uh, 2,000. Uh, let's see. Um, of course, you could also do that on Patreon, Subscribestar, and Locals. All right, we've got three Super Chat questions at the $20 or more, approximately. I'm going to uh, pretend Canadian dollars are about the same as U.S. dollars, even though they're not. Um, the nationalistic right with uh, Donald Trump Jr. and Tucker Carlson have attacked Nikki Haley for not supporting Trump in this election conspiracies. Do you think the GOP will split into two as there is no common ground with the nationalists? I, I don't think it'll split, but as I've said, this is war. And it, it, it doesn't surprise me at all, at all, that, um, that Nikki Haley is being attacked. I predicted this, again, if you follow my show, I have predicted for a long time that Nikki Haley does not belong to this wing of the Republican Party, that Nikki Haley will be outed, that Nikki Haley will be attacked, that Nikki Haley is going to struggle to gain traction with Republicans if Trump does not lose in a landslide. That is the problem with Trump losing by just a small margin is that it shows that the Trump wing of the Republican Party is amazingly strong and that will determine the shape of the Republican Party in, into the future and that Nikki Haley is not part of that future. So she'll be a Republican, she'll run for president in 2024, but she cannot win as long as Trumpism 
is the dominant idea within the Republican Party. So people like Tucker Carlson, Donald Trump Jr., Josh Hawley, um, uh, Tom Cotton, the senator, those people have to be thoroughly and quickly marginalized. They won't be, but that's what needs to happen. And people like Nikki Haley and Ben Sass and some of the better people within the Republican Party have to replace them as the dominant voices of the Republican Party. And I don't know that there's anybody in talk radio because they all seem to be Trumpists. There's nobody on Fox, although in the, in the uh, what do you call it, in the, um, in the commentary part of Fox, there is in the news part of Fox, that can replace Tucker Carlson. He is the most popular of all of them. So I don't know how it happens. I don't know how you win that fight. But it's clear to me that that fight is coming. And then there's the pragmatist part, the, the McConnell and the Graham and the, the, the nothing Republicans who stand for nothing. They'll be Trumpist one day. They'll go with another faction another day. They believe in nothing. They hold nothing. They stand for nothing, right? But there is a battle. Now, I don't think Nikki Haley is God's gift to America in terms of solving all our problems. She's just better, and she would drive the party in a better direction. I want Tucker Carlson fired? No, I mean, I I want Tucker Carlson to fail. I don't want him fired. I want him to fail. I want American people to turn against him. Unfortunately, that's not happening. He is more popular than ever and will continue to be so. So... You know, that is, the, that is the challenge we face. The challenge we face, uh, uh, those of us who care about the Republican Party, the challenge we face is that the Trump wing of the Republican Party will continue to dominate that party. And, and as I said, better people, even if they're marginally better, like Nikki Haley, have no place there. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Uh, what is the connection between bias and morality? For example, media bias, uh, which is increasingly causing conservatives intense hostility. I think partially because it has no rational basis to them. I mean, yeah, bias, to the extent that it's real, is a reflection of um, evasion. It's a reflection of not being objective. And it's a reflection of not being rational. And to that extent, it's a reflection of not being moral. Remember that in objectivism, morality is about whether you're rational or not, whether you deal with facts or not, whether you're being objective or not. And to the extent that the media, both media on the left and media on the right, are not objective, 
are not looking at facts, then they have no integrity. They're not being rational. They're being dishonest with themselves. And yeah, that, that constitutes immorality. But I think, I think what happens today is that all of our media is biased. All of the media is biased. And it's, um, it's tragic. So somebody says here, I mean, this is an important comment, so, so no, you're on, it's your side that needs to be marginalized because your side will never get the working class or no class. In other words, you're on, your side should be marginalized because you can't win. I can't win. I know that. But what is the value of winning if what you win is anti-freedom? What's the value of winning if what you win is inconsistent with your values? What's the value of winning if winning means more authoritarianism, more intervention in the economy, less freedom for the individual? What is the purpose of winning if we're going to be poorer for it? What is the purpose of winning if we're heading towards authoritarianism and all freedom will be eliminated in this country. I mean, it is truly, truly disgusting to see people who pretend that they're affiliated with objectivism in some way, who want to win at all costs. And the biggest cost is their own freedom. And they're willing to win at the expense of their own freedom. I would rather die on the barricades, stay in the minority forever, have this little Yaron Brooks show that very few people on the big scale of things listen to, than sell out, sell my soul, sell my values, sell my morality, sell my mind to the winners. to the people who will bring us authoritarianism in the name of winning. Yeah. If AOC and Biden win, we will be poor. If Tucker Carlson wins, we will be poor. Maybe in different ways, but we will be poor. I choose not to support either one of them. I choose to fight them both. I choose to fight on the barricades and lose. As the founding fathers of this country expected to lose. But I'll keep fighting. And if you want to sell out, if you want to sell your soul to the devil, then go ahead. Then go engage in politics Go engage in, 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 uh, in uh, nationalist politics, in anti-capitalist politics, in anti-freedom politics, in anti-individualism politics, in the name of winning. What have you won then? I feel pity for you. I feel sorry for you. Because you will won... What is that word? I mean, the one, one, of the, one of the few statements, I think, from the old, New Testament. You will have gained X, but you will have lost your soul. And that's what it is. You will have gained it, and you will have lost your soul. 
All right. Another one of my rants. Some of you like my rants. That's okay. Okay, let's see. What is the connection between... Oh, we did that. Um, You know how excited little kids get. If an adult acts excited about something, some people think it's weird. Too bad. Yes, I agree completely. One of the things that happens to excitable kids is they're told not to be so excited. They're told to repress their passion. They're told to repress their excitement about the world, their excitement about heroes, their idealism. And what we get are cynical adults. And when young people, adults already, get excited about their career or excited about a work of art or excited about somebody they love or excited about something that's happening in their life, a cynical culture says, who are you to be excited? Oh, just wait, you're going to fail. Oh, just wait, it's all going to collapse around you. What will you think then? And that is, there's nothing quite, that's one of the most evil things possible, particularly to do to a child, but even to do to an adult. Now, adults can cope with it, but it's just, it's just pure evil and driven by pure envy. Pure envy. Yeah, uh, Ellie writes, it's from Mark 836, what good is it for someone to gain the whole world yet forfeit their soul? What good is it for someone to gain political power yet forfeit their soul or forfeit their freedom? That's my, here's mine, Yaron 836. What good, good is it for someone to gain political power yet forfeit their freedom and their soul? I like that. You can quote me on that. All right. <laughs> maybe maybe uh, Action Jackson can take uh, my previous rant with this little section on uh, Mark 836 and turn that into a short video. It would be very short, but I think it would be, you know, my rants are worth to become, worth making into videos. Um, all right. Absolutely about the excitement. Um, all right. One more. $20 Super Chat. Feel free to use $100, $50, $500, whatever, whatever inspires you right now will be great. Uh, we, we need to get these uh, Super Chat numbers up. Democracy is ruled by media. He controls the information, controls the outcome. The principle I was fighting for was an independent electorate because without that, you will never have freedom. Now, democracy is now ruled by the media and we have more media today more alternative media today, more varied media today, more media with alternative voices than we have today, than ever in American history. I often give this example. When Ronald Reagan was running for president, there was basically the New York Times, the Washington Post, the LA Times, the Chicago Tribune, all leftists. There was CBC, NBC, ABC, and PBS, all leftists. That's it. There's no talk radio, no Rush Limbaugh, no Fox, no internet, no Hannity, whatever. None of these people existed. There was leftist news on ABC, CBS, and NBC. It was leftist news in the New York Times and all the other major newspapers. A lot less varied information. A lot less options. In the 1930s, 1930s, 
when we were trying to figure out what was going on in the Soviet Union, the only source we really had was places like the New York Times. And it turns out that the New York Times had one journalist who was probably being paid by Stalin, who basically wrote rave, wonderful reviews of how things were going in Soviet Russia. And so everybody believed that Soviet Russia was doing great. There was no alternative media. There was nobody else to get that information from. I mean, you live in an era where there are more voices, more alternative voices, more alternative points of view. I mean, look at this, what we are doing four times a week. Talk about an alternative voice. It's ridiculous to claim that, oh, the media bias, that's why the politics going the way they are. No, they're going the way they are because nobody will challenge the philosophy that exists. They're going the way they are because of pragmatism, altruism, and because of a lack of rational thinking. You know, somebody says, Yaron Brook is thick. There's an argument. All right. I just did a whole argument about the media, why the media is, there's more options today than it was in the past. I've given facts, evidence, and all my opponents can say is, yeah, he's an idiot. Why? Because I disagree with him. But that's the state of the world we live in, right? The state of the world is that people can't think. Even people who listen to Yaron Brook show cannot Think. Not everybody. I know many, many, many of you, most of you, an overwhelming majority of you can. But some of you can't. That's the problem in the world today. And therefore, because we can't think, we look for people to follow. We look for leaders to do the thinking for us. We, do the, we look for leaders to tell us what to do, what to think, how to feel. And that is when you get authoritarianism, is that is where we're heading because of people like some of you who can't think for themselves, who can't look at facts, who won't examine the evidence. Won't examine the evidence. You don't have to agree with me, but just go and examine the evidence. And if you don't agree with me, state a fact. State a fact. I'd love to see counterfacts. Oh, thick means your body got nice curves? All right. Um, all right, let's see. Okay, we got Christian. All right, uh, where is it? There it is. What is your perspective on technology release? <laughs> Toward dense concentration or conservatively staggered phases at the expense of predictability? Wow, that's a big question. Um, I think it depends on the kind of infrastructure that you have in releasing the technology. That is, if you have significant capital, and you have a significant infrastructure in terms of people marketing um, and, 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 and you know to support it, then there's no question that 
dense concentration, if you have that capacity, um, can can be revolutionary and can grow, it can create exponential growth and and can be can have huge, quick, massive revolutionary impact on the world. But if and this is particularly true of new technology, if 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 the capital is limited, if the if the business model is unclear, if the technical and marketing and other support functions, strategic functions, the strategic vision is not 100% clear, then staggered incremental makes sense. Because then you're, you're trying to build, you're trying to build the market. You're trying to get clarity on where you're heading. You're trying to get clarity on what the scope of the technology is and how it's going to affect the world and other technologies. So it really depends on on you, on the technology, and on on the on the kind of the, the the business model that you have, the business model. So in other words, the more certainty about the strategy you have, the more certainty about your capital needs that you have, the more certainty about the that you have the infrastructure that you need, the more you can go big. The less you are in all of that, the more you go incremental and staggered. I mean, think about Amazon. Amazon is a great example of the staggered approach, and it's come to dominate. Apple soon started out staggered, but at some point started going on on a complete dense concentration, right? Complete overwhelming the market starting with the iPod, I think. Uh, But, you know, think about completely disruptive technologies. It really depends on how ready you are. You are, as the entrepreneur, for what it's going to take to disrupt. I hope that answers, and thank you, Christian, for the very generous Super Chat contribution. Democracy is rule... Oh, I did that. What am I doing again? I keep reading these questions again. I forget to delete them. All right, let's do the non-$20 plus Super Chat and less $20 plus Super Chats jump out at me, uh, which is not... I don't know what a Twitch account is, but I think to do a Twitch, you have to, like, play video games, and I don't think that's viable for me. I don't think that's viable. <laughs> Somebody says, I'm interesting, but dogmatic. <laughs> That's funny. Um, oh, wait. We got a $20 question in. I recommend watching The Social Dilemma. The media, the new media has powers of persuasion with its algorithms that have not existed before. I know you will say it's anti-intellectual Pavlovian model of human behavior. Yes, it is. And I heard exactly the same arguments about subliminal messages and about marketing and advertising from very serious people who really believe this. And I think some of the marketing firms themselves believed it. And I think, and I'm not saying it doesn't work. It works on a certain type of person. So I've given the example of beer commercials with, 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 uh, you know, with uh, bikini-clad gorgeous women. The fact that I like bikini-clad gorgeous women has never caused me to drink beer. It's never incentivized me, motivated me to overcome the fact that I don't actually like beer. So um, now I, I get it that Facebook 
does what it does. I get it. The Twitter does what it does. I mean, I would be, I would be shocked if they didn't. I mean, they, the way they make money is to get eyeballs. The way to get eyeballs is repeat, 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 is to get people back to them. The way to get people back to them is to influence them in a particular way that keeps them where they are, in a sense, to create their own bubbles. But the idea, the idea that because of this, you now are exposed to fewer points of view than in the past is ludicrous. Again, my show here on YouTube is an illustration of that. And my show on YouTube has few subscribers, relatively speaking, right? Relative to other objectivists, a lot, but relative to the world out there, few. Is not because of YouTube. It's because of you. You don't, you know, leftists and conservatives and others are very good at marketing their people, very good at sharing their content, but you worry about sharing objectivist content. You're still too afraid. So you don't share enough. So you don't give a distribution enough. And because of the ideas. And because maybe I'm not likable or whatever. But, but the fact is that it's us. It's not YouTube. It's not YouTube. And you can see, you can see the complaining about places like YouTube and Facebook and Google and, 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 and Twitter come from the left and the right. I mean, most of the far left people think that social media is dramatically biased against them. So, that is, somebody says, I missed a question, a $30 question. I can't scroll back far enough to find it. It, it, it caps them out. So, if somebody can repeat that question, uh, please, uh, you know, either for a dollar or something, then I'll, I'll do it because I, it, it was a $30 question. I should do it. So, I know. I, I've seen documentaries in Google and how it biases its search. Of course, it biases its search. I mean, at the end of the day, you have to write an algorithm. And that algorithm is going to, the algorithm in and of itself cannot be objective. It has to prioritize certain things as more reflective of the truth than other things. And it's going to reflect, to some extent or another, the biases of the programmers. And the programmers, most of the programmers tend to be on the left. And therefore, it's going to have a leftist bias. So, why? I mean, I'm not sure why that surprises anybody. But the idea that that prevents people from accessing my information. Again, through Facebook and Twitter, you are today more exposed to more different ideas than ever in human history. Including really bad ones. But, you know, I constantly get, I mean, I, I, I saw yesterday, I, I retweeted this. A girl on Twitter posts, she says, she, she, she retweets one of my tweets, and she says, can you believe that this showed up on my feed? And I look at her profile, and she declares proudly that she is a member of Antifa. So if my tweets, by the way, this is a tweet about the wonders of capitalism, if my tweets are getting to the feeds of members of Antifa, then what are you talking about? And I see leftist stuff all the time on my feed. And I see right-wing tribalists on my feed. So 
what are we really talking about? Yes, social media is structured to create little bubbles around us. But it's easy enough for us to break those bubbles. Very, very easy to break those bubbles. I follow a bunch of people I don't agree with. You can too. If you choose to live in a bubble, it is not Facebook and Twitter's fault. It is not the new media fault. It's not technology's fault. It's your fault. All right, Fum, Fum Nguyen asks, Lazarific capitalism requires private roads. Could big road arbitrarily deplatform people from using their roads like big tech can today? Yes. Yes, they could. And you would have to create alternatives because they could. Now, I don't, you know, it, it, in, a, in a truly free market, I don't think big tech could get away with the arbitrary. And I don't think Big Road could get away with the arbitrary. But I could certainly see Big Road saying, no drunks on our road. Or no, you know, whatever. Something rational on our road. So they could cancel certain people. Deplatform certain people. But because they have a self-interest. If they said, no blacks on my road. No Jews on my road. They would have a right to do that. But then I think a lot of other drivers would boycott their road and find alternative routes. And if there's no alternative routes, then they'd create one. They'd create one. So irrationality is allowed in a market, always, but it's penalized in the marketplace. It is penalized in the marketplace. Tobias says, could Big Big get away with bullying Big Tech? Well, it depends what Big Big is. Is that government? And what does bullying mean? <laughs> but if that's a joke, it's pretty funny. <laughs> uh, favorite books on personal development or productivity? Um, Ayn Rand. <laughs> I don't read personal development and productivity books. I, you know, uh, I think Alex Epstein and Don Watkins have some recommendations on, on these things. They've read a lot of that. I don't. I never, I never got into that. I never read them. I, 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 I count myself as pretty productive and pretty well-developed, and um, uh, I, I got no help from those kind of books. I've, I've read Ayn Rand. I've read some philosophy. I've, I'm trying to think if I really read. Yeah, I've, I've really read no. I don't read self-help stuff. Never have. Or, or the personal development or productivity stuff. And I'm not saying this is a good thing. I'm just saying it's a fact. And now I'm too old for that stuff. Um, all right, let's see. All right, let's start it off. Florida abolished property taxes for people over 65 who have been living in the same home for 20 years. Is this a step in the right direction? No, it's not. Selectively removing taxes from one group without adjusting spending at the same time, just means another group is going to have to pick up the slack. And that's wrong. That's wrong. So if you, if you did that and said, okay, and we're, we're, we're doing away with X program that offsets the revenue we would have gotten from them, then that would have been great. But 
this is why I'm not a huge fan of of just decreasing taxes without decreasing spending, without doing anything about just decreasing taxes doesn't do it. It just means you have to tax somebody else or you have to find the money somewhere else, which is just as destructive. Yeah, I mean, (laughs) surprise, surprise, Florida, that has the highest proportion of people over 65 living in in any state, (laughs) actually voted that the people who are 65 don't get to pay taxes. I mean, it's, it's perfect. Only people who are 20 years old to 65 get to pay property taxes so that we, who are 65, get to cruise. I mean, generally, we live in a society, and this is one of the things that needs to be fixed but nobody will talk about, where we have a massive, massive, massive redistribution of wealth from young people to old people. You know, Social Security, Medicare, taxes, and and property taxes like this. Same thing, in a sense, happens in California. If you're young and you're buying a new house, your basis for your taxes is very high. If if, if you bought your home in California 40 years ago, then you're not... Now, I support this because I don't want to see taxes increased ever. But if if you bought your house 40 years ago, the tax basis is from 40 years ago. So you pay almost no property taxes, which is great for you. But it's a massive redistribution of wealth. Old people vote not to have new building in their neighborhoods. So their home prices go up, and young people can't find affordable housing. The crisis in affordable housing screws young people and benefits, and it's a consequence of the fact that old people vote to restrict the amount of housing so that the value of their housing goes up. It's, it truly is, the, the redistribution of wealth in this country, primarily through Medicare, is truly horrific, truly horrific. And, and it's something nobody wants to talk about because old people vote and, 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 and they, you know, and, and nobody wants to Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. He wants to alienate them, and, but I used to, when I talked to the Tea Party, I remember if I brought up Social Security, they would really get upset. Or, or, sorry, Medicare. They'd really get upset. And I said, why are you getting upset? You're going to spend $4 for every dollar you paid into the system. Who's going to pay the other three? You're not working anymore. You're not paying taxes anymore. Who's going to pay the other three? Your children and your grandchildren. How can it be moral for you to live off of your children and grandchildren? Or other people's children or grandchildren, even worse. 
What do houses run in Puerto Rico asking for fin? It really depends on what you want. You, you can get a, uh, you know, anything from tens of thousands of dollars. Not a very nice place, but to hundreds of thousands of dollars to millions of dollars. I mean, uh, it really, really depends. So you'd have to give me a sense of what you're looking for and where you're looking. You know, is it in San Juan? Is it outside? Is it on the beach with ocean view? Is it a luxury? Is it middle class? Is it the whole range? It's generally cheaper than in the U.S., all the ranges, but significantly cheaper than the U.S., but also depends on where you're coming from in the U.S. Would you support any form of secession? I think it's meaningless to talk about secession. What if I supported it and Texas was going to secede? Federal government would never let it happen. Would I support a, 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 a civil war with nuclear weapons in order to... Uh, no, no. So what does it mean? And penthouse with ocean view, um, you're looking at, depending on the size of the penthouse, four rooms is not good, but the square footage, if you give me the square footage, anywhere I'd say with an ocean view, and of course the closer you get to the ocean, the more expensive it would be, Anywhere between um, two to four million. The most expensive property right now in San Juan is a penthouse, which is 8,800 square feet in one of the two or three best buildings in the island that's selling for $9 million. $9 million. But it's gorgeous, just unbelievably gorgeous. 100 square meters is, what, 1,000 square feet? 1,000 square feet you could get, again, depending where. Anywhere from $40,000 to $400,000, depending on where you wanted it. Uh, would you, so, I, so, one, I don't think it's doable. I don't think secession is practical. Two, who secede and for what purpose? If you're going to secede because you want to be conservative, then no. If you're going to secede because you want to establish a, a, a free market, constitutionally-based government that protects the rights, individual rights, then yeah, I would support secession if it was practical. But it's not. So it's, it's a waste of time. <laughs> Somebody thinks it's an insult to say I know everything about philosophy when I don't. And I know I don't, and I never claimed that I did. I don't know. You, you guys have to come up with better insults. Uh, is Tony Robbins 95 BS? No, I don't think so. I, I mean, I know very rational people who think Tony Robbins has a lot to offer. He's probably, they would say probably 75, 80% good. I, I think a lot of it is cliched. A lot of it is obvious if you think about it, but that's coming from the perspective of Ayn Rand. Uh, so I no, I, I suspect there's probably a lot of good in Tony Robbins, but like everything else, what you get out of Tony Robbins will depend on what you're willing to put in and how seriously you take it and whether you can separate the good from the not and whether you take the good and do and work it, actually integrate it into your life. Who is the better person and president in your mind, Biden or Kamala Harris? I mean Biden. Kamala Harris is a is a is 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 much more of a power lust, naked power luster. I don't like her at all. Um, 
I don't think she's ideological, even though she sounds ideological, but I think she's nakedly powerlusting in a way that uh, I, I think is horrible. I think Biden is just a, 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 just a politician who got into politics young and has spent his entire life in politics. He's a nothing and a nobody. Um, somebody says he's corrupt. Yeah, he's corrupt. No question, they all are. I think anybody in politics today is corrupt. Um, uh, yeah, I think she's more dangerous, probably more competent, and certainly more power-lusting. I think she's, she's the kind of person who gets upset when she doesn't get her way. I mean, really flips out when she doesn't get her way. I, I think she will be... I mean, there's a good chance... He will die in office, but he's 77. There's also a good chance he lives another 10 years, 20 years. Um, but she will, is likely to be the Democratic nominee in four years from now. He might retire. And then the question will be, can she win given who she's running against? Yeah, Jennifer says she's a snake. Yeah, I, I think that's right. I get that from her, that snaky, devious Power lusting. Yeah, you are insulting snakes. I actually like snakes. Snakes are cool. Uh, all right. Yeah, I mean, compare it to Hillary is interesting. Hillary did nothing with her life other than marry Bill Clinton. And then once he, he became president, after he left office, she ran for the Senate. But Hillary built everything off of Bill. I mean, granted, she was probably the woman behind the man. She navigated him, but it was through him. Kamala Harris has done it herself. I don't know if that, you know, in, in her case, it's good or bad. But, and she's jumped at every opportunity to advance herself. What is your view of Robert Kiyosaki and his books on finance and entrepreneurship? I don't know. I'll leave that up there to research and figure out who he is. Is there anything that, I, I mean, there's a Kiyosaki that I know, kind of a, but I'm not sure it's the same guy, so let me just check. Is there anything that could happen to make you regret your Biden support? I didn't support Biden. I, 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 I wouldn't have voted for Biden. I also, what I was against was Trump. One is Treasury Secretary, Green New Deal passed. No, because all those things were going to happen anyway. So, and I don't, and, and it's, what's the point of regretting my, what does it even mean? I mean, this is the point you have to, I mean, this is decision making in life, right? You make a decision at point X based on the information you have at point X. If after you've made the decision, right? And you, but, but if two years later you discover new information, what does it mean to say I regret the decision I made back then? I mean, based on the information that I had back then, I made the right decision. Today I know it was wrong, but I made the right decision. Now, will I think, is there potential of something happening that would make me think, oh my God, Trump should have been elected? Sure, sure. There are things that could happen in the future that would make me think that. I don't know what they would be. If, if an AOC-type Green New Deal passed, but it's not going to. One is Treasury Secretary. No, that wouldn't make it, partially because I don't think she could do much. And, and I'm 
willing to bet she's not Treasury Secretary. We'll see. Um, but that's a risk. For example, Warren is Treasury Secretary. is a risk because it was completely aware of, and that wouldn't change my mind about this election. Uh, do you... Th okay, here's, a, here's a, an, uh, the inside baseball question. Uh, but it's an important one, and I might as well deal with it because it's on a lot of your minds because people have seeded you with lies and disinformation and distortions and perversions and so on. So are you still in speaking terms with Leonard Peikoff? Yes, I am. We're friends. We're good friends. He criticizes me sometimes. He disagrees with me. I disagree with him. That's not going to change the fact that we're friends. Somebody told him that I said something that I didn't actually say about people who support Trump. I clarified it with him. I told him what I actually said. And he said, no problem. I was really pissed off because I thought you said X. I shouldn't have spoken about it before speaking to you. I apologize. We're all good. That's what friends do. I don't believe in sitting back and, and, and uh, I don't know, and, and uh, what? Um, steaming and fuming over something. In the sun. You know, you just talk it out. That's what friends do. They talk it out. And Lennon and I are friends. And there are people out there whose names I will not mention who find that objectionable and will do whatever they can to get between me and Leonard. And that is going to be a challenge. <laughs> that is going to be a challenge. But a challenge that I am willing to take on because my friendship with Leonard is worth it. So, no. I am un... You know, we just exchanged emails. I just got an email from him last night or whatever. We are all good, uh, uh, you know, and, and, uh, and we are definitely on speaking terms and we are definitely friends. So don't let the haters, you know, cause you to doubt. Do you think that all anti-Trump congressmen will try to roll back tariffs? Does modern monetary theory have anything to say about the pros and cons of different types of taxes? Um, I don't know. I don't think we're going to see much rolling back of tariffs. Maybe with Canada, we'll see. But the basic thing is that, that Biden ran on Trump's economic plan. If you remember, when Biden was asked what he would do, he said, I want to bring jobs back to America. I, I, I want to uh, make America more competitive, uh, and, and, and I want fair trade, and I want um, you know, all the things that Trump wanted. The federal government is only going to buy Buy America, only going to buy stuff from Made in America, all the garbage that he learned from Trump. So Biden and the left have always been in agreement with Trump on this. This is why I never understood why the left hated Trump. To me, Trump economically is a leftist, always has been. And the left should have embraced that part of Trump. So...
I don't think we're going to see much rolling back of tariffs. Again, maybe with certain allies where there'll be pressure from them. And another thing is Congress, Congress stays away from tariffs. It's too hard for them. They don't like to work hard. They like to argue about, I don't know, increasing the debt every few months. They always vote for increasing the debt, but they like to argue about it and pretend they're doing work. But what Congress has done is basically said, eh, this whole trade stuff is too hard for us. So, President, you get to make the decisions about that. So I don't expect anything to come of Congress about this kind of stuff. I wish it did. I wish Congress would pass a law that said zero tariffs and that, the, and that the president has no control over it. That would be a real Congress. Does modern monetary theory have anything to say about the pros and cons of different types of taxes? I don't know qua theory, but, well... Yes, I mean, modern monetary theory like Keynesianism believes that the power of the dollar to enhance economic activity is better in the hands of the poor than in the rich because they spend that dollar. They, they put it into circulation. So they definitely like the idea of taxing the rich. Uh, but it's hard to tell because some modern monetary theorists are not of the left, and they might have a different view, but most of them are of the left. They do believe that the primary role of taxes is to suck money out of the economy when there's inflation. So a modern monetary theory would advocate for increasing taxes and increasing the taxes that could suck the most money out during, uh, during inflation. Um, so, and they believe in you know, in, in, the leftists, who are the most of them, believe in, you know, flattening, um, uh, uh, dealing with so-called inequality. So, so flattening wealth and, and taxing the wealthy. So they'd be for that. But basically, they view taxes as a tool against inflation. They don't even care if taxes are low because they believe that you can replace taxes with debt and that there's no limit to the amount of debt you can raise as long as there's no inflation. So you just raise more and more and more and more debt until you hit inflation. And then when inflation comes, you increase taxes. So taxes are more monetary tool than a, than a tool for revenue because they don't care about revenue. Revenue comes from printing money. What's your current prediction regarding New York City? Do you suggest your fans to leave the city or stay. I can't suggest stuff like that. Um, I mean, I generally suggest that you move to the place where your life will be best. But I can certainly understand some people wanting to stay in New York City. Um, it depends. I mean, there's a mayor, there's a race for the mayor soon, I think. I don't know if one year or two years. But if you can get de Blasio out and you can get somebody better in, then New York City is salvageable. It always is. It, it can come back. But in the current status, with the high taxes, uh, with the, the, the huge regulations, with the restrictions on building that de Blasio wants, with the demonstrators and rioters set free, and as de Blasio wants, yeah, New York has become less of a less pleasant place to live, less of a less worthwhile place to live. There's less and less values to be gained by living in in New York, so I think more and more people will leave. My focus is on you 
not thinking that because you've lived in New York your whole life or not thinking if you lived in X your whole life, thinking that that's what you should do. My focus is on you needing, if you value your life, which you all should, to sit down and really think through where you want to live. Where's the best place for you if you have a family to raise a family or if you have a wife to to be with your wife and for your wife and you to have the best opportunities career-wise and so on. Not feel the tug of tradition. That's what I oppose more than anything is that people who do stuff because that's how they've done stuff. People who live in a place because they've always lived in a place. Or people who live in a place because they have a sense of duty to their family. Or people who live in a country because they have a sense of duty to their country. What I want is people to think rationally in a fresh way about where they should live, what they should do, how they should act, and not be captured by tradition, not be captured by conventionality, and certainly not be captured by a sense of duty. I don't believe in duties. Have you read Politics is for Power? What do you think about grassroots actions targeting individual voters and communities to get the vote right? No, I haven't read Politics for Power, but I just don't think that's the way you change the world. I don't think politics is where the action is. Politics is, you know, and and so some people do that and should do that and they can do that and great. But it's not what I want to do. It's not what interests me. I'm interested not in changing your vote. I'm interested in changing the way you think about your life. I'm interested in changing the way you think about how to live. For example, to me, that what I just said about thinking about where you want to live is more important about who you vote. I want to impact your life, how you think about it. I want to impact your thinking. And I think the outcome of that will be your change your vote. If, if you, if you, you know, you'll agree with me ultimately about that. But I'm not interested in the specific way in which to manipulate people to vote in a particular narrow election the way you want them to vote. It's just not of interest to me. I understand some people are interested in it. Feel free to engage in it if, if you're interested in politics in that way. Not what I do. I'm, I'm interested in philosophy and philosophical, fundamental philosophical change, not just superficial political change that can swing away pretty quickly. All right. Uh, good. Well, we've gone over well, an hour and 40 minutes. Cool. And we, we've been at over 200 people live almost all that time, so that's great. Don't forget before you leave to like the show. We're at 160 likes. We really should be at over 200 given that we've been at 200 live people all through the show. So if you like the show, uh, if you get any kind of value from the show, please press the like button. That is, um, that is the, you know, the least you can do, I think, for the value that you get, I hope. Um, don't forget to support the show. Uh, com slash support Patreon, subscribe star and locals are all ways in which to do it I'm trying to raise an extra $3,000 we've already done 1000 so we're looking for $2,000 more but I'll, anything from $2 to $500 is welcome uh, thank you and, uh, and that is all on a monthly kind of basis um, don't forget before you leave to like the show I see a little bit of likes but we need a lot more um, 
Okay, we got one super chat question that just came in from Holly. Uh, what is your opinion on Jonathan Haidt and his views on evolutionary psychology? I mean, I like much of what Jonathan Haidt does. I, I certainly like some of his writings on free speech. Um, but Jonathan Haidt has a strong deterministic streak and a strong streak of this idea that we are determined by our genes. And that I don't like. I, I, you know, let me say this again. I, 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 there is something to evolutionary psychology. We're not born tableau rasa in terms of inclinations, in terms of capabilities, in terms of, in terms of the mechanisms of our mind. But we are born tableau rasa, which means empty in terms of content, in terms of ideas, in terms of opinions, in terms of content. And evolutionary psychologists don't know the difference. They don't understand the difference. Hell, they don't know for the, a large part. They don't know the difference between an inclination and an idea and an emotion and a sensation. I mean, I'd like to see one evolutionary psychologist somewhere have a list of definitions for these things where you define what is an idea, what is an inclination, what are you born with, what are you not born with, how do we know what you're born with and what you're not born with. If, it's, if you're born with ideas, how do these ideas, how does evolution implant them in there? And how is that fit with a proper view of how we epistemologically actually, you know, do con concepts. How do we abstract? How does that work? So to, to do evolutionary psychology properly, you would need a proper epistemology. You'd have a proper view of free will, and you'd need a proper view of, of human epistemology. Since only Ayn Rand has a proper view of epistemology, only objectivists have a proper view of epistemology. There is no proper view of evolutionary psychology. There just isn't. Now, I'm not saying there's nothing there. I'm sure there's stuff there. But they don't know what it is that's there because they don't have a proper view of man. So we need a proper view of man, a proper view of epistemology, and a proper view of Evolution and a proper view of all of this. Thank you, Ragnar the Desert. I appreciate that. All right, guys, we will be back. I don't know when we're going to be back. I haven't planned out this coming week, but I am flying again this week, so that'll be fun. Um, I fly to Denver on Thursday. I'll be in Denver Friday all day. I'm giving a, a talk to three-dimensional real people. I'm getting paid to go out to Denver to give a talk to real people. So that is going to be fun. Um, and then I fly back here, but I won't get back here until Saturday night because to get from Denver to Puerto Rico takes forever. Um, and uh, so I'll probably be doing shows on Tuesday and Wednesday, maybe Monday and Wednesday, maybe tomorrow and Wednesday. Yeah, that, that that's not a bad schedule. So Monday and Wednesday is likely. So... Um, yeah, look for your on-book shows at 8 p.m. No, sorry, 7 p.m. I'm, uh, you know, 7 p.m. Pacific time, uh, 7 p.m. East Coast time. Jesus, 7 p.m. East Coast time on Monday and on Wednesday. Um, I hope you get over uh, these elections by then. 
and that you calm down and you focus on the positive values in your life and you don't spend your time obsessing about hanging chads and, uh, and a variety of different things like that. Um, Mike asks, how can I get you to come to my university to talk? Invite me. Uh, so find a group at the university, a uh, Republican group, a conservative group, a libertarian group, a leftist group, and have them invite me either to put on a debate or to give a talk. Uh, there is a fee, so, so uh, you know, but, but a lot of these groups have money because they get money from the university. So uh, just find a group at the university who, um, uh, who are willing to sponsor a talk. I prefer that it be a significant group so that they can get an audience. Just an individual. The problem is who will come to listen. So it has to be a group that is going to do the marketing and is going to actually put on an event. Uh, so, you know, there's a variety of – you know, I don't know. But a lot of the conservative groups won't have me, like Turning Point. I don't think will have me. But maybe Students for Liberty, maybe Turning Point, maybe Republicans, um, students, student Republicans, maybe YAL or YAF or – Uh, The Federalist Society, if you're in a law school, or the Adam Smith Society, if you're in business school, any one of those uh, have have traditionally invited me to give talks. And uh, I love to do that and happy to come as soon as the university is open and doing public talks. I will be on a plane and be there like that, right? It typically costs about $5,000, but we can sometimes, for university, get discounted rates if I can also do other things in the area. So, don't let the money stop you. Let me know what you're thinking and find a group that wants to sponsor it and do it, and we can work out the logistics. All right, one more like so we can get to over 200. Please, one more like. Anyway, thank you, everybody. Have a great rest of your Sunday. Have a good week, and I will see you all tomorrow uh, tomorrow at tomorrow evening, afternoon, evening, depending on what coast you are. Ooh, I got I got a two hundred and then two people unchecked their like button. They didn't dislike, but they unchecked their like. So, all right, there we go. We're back again to two over two hundred. All right, bye everybody. Have fun. Talk to you soon. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.